You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. That's the best part about Madden. I just build my team by signing CFL free agents. Kenny Ladler and Dexter McCoyle on my special teams. Not a big deal. Oh, I, I won the Super Bowl <laughs> with Casey Printers as my quarterback in Oakland. So. Okay, I'm done. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Ready, set, hut! Travis Kerr, a Brazilian tie, the Two and Out CFL Podcast. We're almost... Two weeks into 2018, is it too late to say Happy New Year? In English, yes. In English? If you can figure out how to say it in Ukrainian, because Malenka is a couple days away. I, <laughs> I looked it up, and it's impossible. Okay. Okay. Well, well Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, I guess we haven't talked since then. How was your New Year? Uh, I lost, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 pounds before Christmas in camp, and I put it all back on over the holidays. Well, that's what the holidays are about. And it wasn't from food. Oh, was, was it liquid? <laughs> yeah, mainly. <laughs> oh, we, we watched Canada-USA, the World Juniors. <laughs> I got a car that night. <laughs> Good times, but for everybody uh, that has been uh, criticizing the Canadian Football League the past few seasons about going silent in the offseason, this offseason has been nothing but, so let's get right to the news. <laughs> In the huddle on the Two and Out podcast. Okay, a lot has happened. The last time we did our show, uh, you weren't able to do it that day. I had Brian from the BC Lions Den podcast on. Ed Hervey was named the general manager in BC, and it feels like that was a year and a half ago already. A lot has happened. Now, we're not going to talk about all the extensions because there's about 400 of them. Uh, we will try to talk about most of the players that have uh, moved teams in the past little while here, but I think the big news that came mid-December was the schedule coming before Christmas. How awesome was that? Oh, it's it's phenomenal. You can kind of look at it and set up your summer and kind of try to plan out a little bit of holidays and maybe try to hit some home openers, like, you know, on a little bit of a road trip here and there. So, uh, you know, it's... It's it's just one way that the CFL is able to kind of keep the news cycle going, much like the NFL does. Um, you know, the NFL has become a twelve month twelve month league. There's there's really yeah. no no downtime in the CFLs with with the schedule coming out in December. It kind of parlays right off of the Grey Cup, and they're able to just keep rolling into free agency and stuff like this now. So I, I think it's a huge plus for the league. And I really hope it becomes a regular thing. I had actually talked to Trevor Hardy at the Grey Cup tweet up, and he does the schedule every year, and he gave me the lowdown on the schedule uh, before it came out, obviously by about three weeks. And I was just blown away that we're going to be seeing it before Christmas. I think there's four triple headers next year. The season is going to start Father's Day weekend, uh, the same weekend as the U.S. Open. So there's no afternoon games that weekend. So move the season up a month, which is what a lot of people want, means that the season would start the second week in May because now the season is a week longer. Uh, there's the extra bye week. I don't think the league will move it up that far. That seems too far. The, the, if the Atlantic team does get that franchise, they're going to have to. Move it up an entire month? If they want to, if they want to keep... If they want, if they want to keep the Grey Cup in uh, end of November, it, they're going to have to move up to a tribute for the games. Because, uh, well, maybe not, but I, I don't know how you do it with with ten teams. Like, are we going to have to go? Are we going to leave it the same as it is now and go back to um, half the league getting a bye one week and the other half getting it the next week? I think that's what they would do uh, because now every team's on bye. So it would still be a 21-week season. Uh, it's just that everybody is, you know, wanting the Grey Cup out of the end of November. So now that the season is starting mid-June, you would have to, to get it out of November. You would have to move it up to beginning of May. Or, that's early, I think. Yeah, and, then, and then you're running into Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right? Um, 
the the only thing the the one thing I do get though with Grey Cup being where it is is that you're a month out of Christmas, mm-hmm. um, which can which can be tough for people's budgets. I get that, um, but do we really want to be competing with the Stanley Cup playoffs? Pe- people say, oh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. It will be a big deal. Sorry, it, it the numbers show that like yeah, the CFL gets a lot of viewers, but come playoff time, it it's really hard to get eyes off of hockey. Um, Granted, this year, with the way some of the Canadian teams are playing, I don't think it'll be as good as it was last year with having five teams. But you still have your marquee teams like Pittsburgh, uh, the Rangers, teams like that in the States that have a large following still in Canada, and people will tune in to watch. So you're going to be competing with some big numbers there. So I mean, you don't want to move it too far up to – like even Father's Day weekend, you're still there's still that chance that the Stanley Cup final could still be going on too. So, I mean, if you can minimize that – Going up against that, and then you have the NBA. It's not a huge following, but this still gets decent numbers. Like you're just you're opening a huge kind of worms that I just I don't get why people want to do that. Other than the yeah. weather thing in November, but I mean it, it is what it is. We're in Canada. Get used to it. But it's only a few games too. I, I mean, if you don't want to sit that, outside, that is true. Don't sit outside. But yeah, I mean, I only went to two cold games this year whatever <laughs> it yeah, is it, what it, it is it's, it's two games it, it's it's three hours out of your day out of your week like dress for it and you'll be fine yeah i, I, I work out i worked outside today it was minus 37 with the wind chill brutal. but guess what i put on a toque <laughs> oh by the way yeah <laughs> we're in the middle of a deep freeze right now i was outside uh, just now it is not snowing it's literally Ice falling from the sky. Right mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. There was sun dogs today, though. So I mean, we're we're gonna get out of this in the next couple of days. But yeah, it hasn't been pleasant. But yeah, if you move that season up to the beginning of May, you're competing with the entire Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, yeah. not just the final. The, the you'll be into the second round, right? And that, like, yeah, I I don't want to see that because, um. Like you can, like people are. Uh, it's the playoffs. You you don't want to compete against another league's playoffs, let alone a regular season game if you don't have to. And it, that could just be an absolute killer early on in the year, which is usually when you have some really good games because teams make a lot of mistakes early. And you don't want to be missing out on watching that. Yeah, I know a lot of people say another league should not be worrying about what another league does. Uh, I, I think another factor here, I can't see. Canadians changing tradition and going to out to the stadium on May long weekend. That is such a nope. big thing. Uh, January, I you know I booked campsites yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> to get ready for May long weekend. I think it'd be tough to get uh, Canadians to change their camping plans because uh, summer's only so short. Uh, that we all like to take advantage of those few months. Well, and people that live at the lake for the summer, that's their first weekend to get up there and, you know, they can make sure that the cabin's fine and, you know, yeah. they, got, they can get everything going again. Um, you know, and even, like, my parents, they don't go to the lake, but May long weekend, that's huge for my parents to putz around the yard for the first time in the year, maybe, you know, get the garden ready, be able to, like, you know, it's just, it. it's a lot. Um, and uh, people even said during the year, Last or not this past season, but the season before, um, that Friday night games in a lot of places just don't work because people go to the lake. And it's like, well, how is that going to change when it's the first big weekend of the year and you want to get a younger crowd in? Well, May long. I know in my early 20s, I wasn't hanging around home. I, I was <laughs> yeah. gone. So you're not going to get those. You're not going to get a lot of eyes on the league. It's, it's a long weekend. People are going out to the lake. It's it's the first long weekend of the summer. It's not even really summer yet, but it's the first long weekend where it can be half-ass nice out, and people aren't going to want to waste that. I, I I shouldn't say waste, but people are going to want to sit inside if they don't have to. They're going to want to go out to the lake and do other stuff, and you know it's it's just so hard to get eyes on TV at that point. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what TSN thinks, and I think they have a lot more pull than uh, what people would like to believe on where the schedule is. Of course, that deal could be up in uh, a few years, and it could be up for auction right away here. TV Uh, networks run every single sports league. I don't care what anybody says, but like that—that's how it works, right? The the studio or not studios, the networks are going to dictate basically like when stuff happens 
So it doesn't really matter what the league wants. Like TSN's going to be like, well, no, we don't want to go up against that. TSN has a bunch of hockey rights still too that they're going to have to honor if stuff goes into playoffs. So like I, I – I don't get it. We've, they run into this in Chicago with the Cubs not having lights in the 80s. And people are like, oh, it shouldn't matter what TV wants. You know, why would you sign this contract saying that the World Series has to put, be played under the lights? Well, that's how you get your revenue is in prime time. So to think that the TV networks don't have as much, don't have that much pull, I, I think people would be sadly mistaken. A lot of coaching changes did happen in the meantime as well. I thought this was big. I, I thought Winnipeg might have been a landing spot, but Noel Thorpe, former defensive coordinator for the Montreal Alouettes, uh, is with Ottawa now, and Ottawa's defense was not good last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they will be happy, I think, to welcome a guy like Thorpe to town. Yeah, they were, you know, lower half of the league and almost, like, Every every category, maybe, except they allowed the third least points. Other than that, they were mediocre at best. So, um, you know, they, they needed to upgrade somewhere, whether it was personnel or coaching, and they went the coaching route to start with. So, I mean, things things got to be looking up for that defense for sure. Now, Montreal made their hire. Uh, a couple changes there, too. Mike Sherman is now the coach in Montreal, Kahari Jones, the OC, Khalil Carter, the DC, while Ritz Stubler is the advisor to the defensive coordinator. And by the way, in BC, Jarius Jackson is now the offensive coordinator. This, I think, kind of came out of left field for me. Uh, There were so many names that were talked about being the head coach in Montreal, and then all of a sudden, it's Mike Sherman. Yes, he did coach the Green Bay Packers. He did get a ton of division titles, but he had Brett Favre there at the time and never even made it to an NFC championship. So it's almost like Favre was the (laughs) coach of that team. (laughs) I I think in Montreal, I I don't know how big of an impact this is going to make until they yeah. can figure out their personnel in the field. Um, I think that's the bigger issue. I granted you got, you got to have coaches in there. Um, you know, they're going to make the ultimate decision on personnel. So it, they got it done early, which is nice. Um, you know, they're able to kind of get their, their fingerprints on this thing. Uh, but they're going to have a lot of work ahead of them in Montreal for sure. They did make a trade. Uh, they acquired Chris Williams from BC in exchange for Gabriel Napton. I kind of think both teams are winners there. Both teams addressed needs there, and they also added Josh Freeman to their neg list. So I think Cavis is doing his best to make changes here. I would like to see Sherman, what we've seen, and I know that uh, – you know, it was Jim Pop on top, but I think it's coming out more and more that it's the owners, Wettenhall, mm-hmm. that was calling the shots and who's going to be the coach and uh, who's going to get fired here and there. It, during the press conference, Sherman referenced how many times that the Wettenhall said the right things during the interview. Why is the owner doing the interview? Uh, that's another thing that I just don't, I, I understand why. Um, you know, the owner, the owners sink all this money into it. It's their toy. They want to play with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they get in their own way and we saw it all. We saw it last year with Montreal for sure. I, I think that was a huge issue. Um, you know, the, the GM and the coaching staff weren't allowed or weren't able to, to run a team, uh, you know, the, the way it should be run. Like it, the owners shouldn't be making those kind of decisions. They should be brought decisions and either, you know, being, just giving a little bit of input or either signing off on it or not. Um, you know, they, they shouldn't be the ones making a bunch of those decisions. That's, that's why you delegate. That's why you have general managers and coaches. Um, so yeah, they're, they're just getting in their own way. Um, and yeah, for Mike Sherman to say that Wettenhall said this, this, and this in the interview, it, that, that just worries me that nothing's going to change. Um, I hope it does, but it, it's scary right now. It, that's a, this is a bad situation with that ownership group. Not, not saying that they're, that, that it, um, that it's the same bad as the renegade ownership group was. It's just they have their fingers on everything and they don't delegate and they just seem to want to be involved in everything, which just is not a recipe for success at all. Yeah, you, you got to give the organization the keys to the football stuff and mm-hmm. you can deal with the, the, the business stuff or whatever else Dude, you sign the checks you, you want to. Yeah, exactly. So if Montreal goes, you know, one and six or oh and seven, 
you know, to start the season, which they very well could. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I would not be shocked. They they got to stick with Sherman at, at least for the season and next year and see how it goes. They, they can't continue with this carousel. Of you can't be the Edmonton Oilers of the CFL. Yeah, they can't. You do can't. It. You can't bring in six coaches in five years. You, at some point, you got to have stability in your franchise, and and you've seen it all around the league. Teams that like Calgary with Hoffnagel and. And Dickinson, they've they've had the same group there for years. And they're the top of the league, top of the Western Division almost every year. So there is something to be said for stability. I'm just hoping that, you know, the the ownership can get out of their own way and just kind of let things go as they will there on the sidelines. The Lions also added Jeff Reinbold uh, to the team as their special teams guy. He was a long time in Hamilton, a long time uh, elsewhere in the league as well. So it's good to see him back in the Mm -hmm. CFL. One name I'm shocked that hasn't been removed from his position is Richie Hall in Winnipeg, his defensive coordinator. I know there were all-stars on that team. They created turnovers, this and that, but... (laughs) Who do they lose to in the West Semi next year? I'm sure... Yeah, I know. I'm sure Bomber (laughs) fans want him gone. I thought they would take a run at Noel Thorpe, but uh, Ottawa Mm -hmm. got him good for them, but... Uh, I mean, I don't know who else is out there. Maybe that's a factor, but I'm kind of surprised that Richie's still in Winnipeg. Well, Winnipeg's defense is based on turnovers. It is. Right? They had 25 interceptions. They forced 19 fumbles, or 18 fumbles, sorry. Um, But when you look at it, they only had 45 pass knockdowns, right? That's last in the league. So 45 and 20. They had 70 passes. 70 passes either knocked down or picked off, right? Um, And then you look at a team like... BC who had 59 knockdowns on top of 14. So, I mean, it kind of evens out there, but, I mean, Winnipeg allowed the fifth most point. They were middle of the pack for points allowed. You know, they kind of middle of the pack-ish. I know they're fourth in the league. So, yeah, middle of the pack for sacks, um, interceptions. They led the league. But, like, it just, I don't know. It just seems they 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 kind of adopt that bend don't break mentality mm-hmm. but they always seem to break when it yeah. when but not not when they like not in the th- second quarter they always seem to break in the late fourth quarter and they always seem to it to change their game plan on defense when they like dance with the one that brought you if if you've been running a certain kind of offense all game why why are you playing prevent why why are you changing up how you're playing because it it's obviously worked so why change it i don't i don't get it um, you know, all a prevent defense does is prevent you from winning is is my thought. Um, you know, they're super aggressive, but that can also burn you. And like, like 492 points, Calgary only gave up 349. Like Winnipeg was a middle-of-the-pack defense that just feasted on turnovers. And, you know, they were able to finish 12-6, and six, but if that defense could have been better, they, they probably would have – they probably could have challenged Calgary, and at least Calgary would have had to, you know, play starters in the final two weeks. Yeah. I I don't know if you can rely on turnovers every single year, but then again, no. you know, at the beginning of last season we said can they repeat what they did in twenty sixteen and they, they basically did in the turnover yeah. department, which is the, surprising. There has there has to be a regression to the mean though at some point. At some point like this isn't gonna work. Right? Yeah. Like at at some point the interceptions aren't gonna be there, the forced fumbles aren't gonna be there, and this team's gonna spiral. Um, whether or not it's this year, I don't know. Maybe they can do this three years in a row. It'd be tough, but um, I just they got they have the players there to be a really good defense. I just don't know how Richie Hall got rehired. <laughs> As always, every single year we seem to be losing more and more uh, of our top players to the National Football League. Three uh, that we're going to name here: Brandon Zilstra to the Minnesota Vikings, kind of goes home for him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Ladler to the Washington Football Club. I don't think I can say their <laughs> name. But look, he goes from one controversial team to another. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's the problem. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh I, I, I signed him on my Madden franchise, so I hope he's not the problem. That's the best part about Madden. I just build my team by signing CFL free agents. Uh, Kenny Ladler and Dexter McCoyle on my special teams. Not a big deal. Oh, I, I won the Super Bowl <laughs> with Casey Printers as my quarterback in Oakland. So, okay, I'm done. 
<laughs> I quit. Kids, kids, you can do, you can achieve anything. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Mincy, uh, defensive back for the Alouettes, signs with Chicago. But this I found very interesting. Uh, on the 10th, they were in Banff, the general managers, and uh, basically doing a bit of a summit. Media were there. And Dave Naylor did some great work that week. And he sat mm-hmm. down with Chris Jones, who actually, I thought, gave a lot of information, including Deron Carter actually turned down two NFL offers, uh, one from Arizona, one from Baltimore, saying that basically Duran does not want to take a futures deal like a lot of these guys are taking. He wants a, a legit contract, probably worth a million bucks or more, but I, I thought it was really cool to see Chris Jones being that open with the situation of uh, Duran Carter. Yeah, that, that's something that you're not used to seeing from coaches, especially Chris Jones. Yeah. Um, right? Very keeps every, his cards close to the vest. Um, but Duran turning down two NFL offers, like you said, he wants a legitimate offer. He doesn't want to just go down there to come back in week nine. Right? He he wants to go down there and have an actual shot. So I think the, and the only way you're going to do that is more film. So, he, you know, play if he can, if he resigns, whether it's in Saskatchewan or signs with another team. Um, you know, it, it can only help him. Um, you know, he's he's good. I, there's no arguing that he's 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 a big body, which the NFL likes. Um, you know, I I do see at some point, and his his dad played in the league. Like there is something to be said for um, NFL teams looking at. It happens in the NHL too, looking at kids of former players that, that you know you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. He hasn't gotten that yet, really. Um, but I I think. You know, one or two more years of film, and if he can do what he did this year, and you know, he's showing his versatility, he played defenses here and did have a pick six. Um, granted, um, nobody really wanted him to play defense. It was kind of scary. Yeah. One of your best offensive weapons, but I mean, he just shows that how athletic he is. So I, I do think he'll get a shot at one at some point. But like you said, like he doesn't want to go down there to not get a legitimate shot. So I think he's kind of holding out and just the only, the best way to do it is just to keep playing where you are. And, you know, hopefully teams take a bigger look at you. And he said on Twitter, uh, during the season that, Hey, I don't want to go down there and just be their slave or whatever. And money Mm -hmm. isn't everything. And I think him turning down these two offers shows that, He's actually walking the walk, not only talking the talk with that. And I I think in Regina, Chris Jones has allowed him to have a ton of fun, uh, allowed Mm -hmm. him to be himself. It it looks like that, you know, from the outside anyway, (laughs) with the celebrations and everything uh, that he's been doing. And I think in the NFL, he did, I think he was with Indianapolis a little bit. And once you're in the NFL and maybe you show you don't have the best attitude or the the best work ethic. I don't know if you want to call him misunderstood, call him misunderstood. You blow that one shot, you might not get another one. And that just seems maybe the political mm-hmm. game there is a little bit bigger than it is here. So if he can come here, have fun, and people are harassing him at red lights and at the produce section at the R- Regina IGA, I, I think Oh, Deron's- I was hoping you were going to say IGA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Deron's having a good old time in the fishbowl of Saskatchewan. Oh, for sure. I mean, it. it, it you're in a football crazy, crazy market. Um, you know, you it's hard not to have fun, um, even in the sands in Regina, right? It's it's a blast every week. Um, no, no matter where you go, there's you know there's you can see a rider rider jersey at an Edmonton game when they're not even playing. Yeah, me sitting right next sitting right next to me in my season seats. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> like the example I I have to use here is Darrell Walker last year goes down, get thought he was gonna have a shot with Tampa, played in four games, got three targets. Like yeah. you know, there are there's guys that go down there think and they don't get a fair shake and they end up having to come back and you know they need more film or whatever. It's like, well, if you're not gonna give these guys a fair shake, then why are we offering them contracts? I just don't get it. You're you're not helping them. You're not helping yourself. Um, like if you're only gonna target a guy three times in four games, you obviously know that he wasn't gonna make the team from the beginning. So I mean, why not let him keep playing and only get better? Um, and Deron Carter, I. I don't know how much better he's going to get, but 
you know, he's like I said, he's a big body that can catch the ball, and NFL teams seem to like that. So I think eventually he might get another shot. Just when is the question? There's been a lot of talk about the quarterback carousel, and I think a lot of it has already been solved. Uh, Edmonton traded James Franklin to Toronto for Mason Woods, big offensive lineman, a second-round pick, and I think he's a good get for the Eskimos, and also gets the third-round pick in this year's draft. At the time, it was only for Franklin's rights because he was set to become a free agent in February, but the Argos signed him to a two-year deal, and they have said they don't know what's happening with Ricky Ray, so they didn't talk to Ricky or anything before signing this deal. I'm not convinced that Ricky is not going to play one more year. Even if he does, Frank Franklin could hold the clipboard behind Ricky Ray for one year. And he stayed healthy for the most of last year. But recent history says Ray might be missing a few games if he does play. Mm-hmm. So Franklin will be able to take over. And you have to think, if Ray does play, it's only one more year. It's not two. If he stayed in Edmonton, who knows how long he would be behind Mike Riley. He would basically just be hoping for an injury here. So I think Toronto's the perfect fit for him. It, holding the clipboard behind Ricky Ray is never a bad thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. He, he only he had that – Franklin had the one streak in 15 where Mike Riley was hurt and he started five or six games. No, but he's never, he's never been the starter. He knew once Mike Riley was healthy that he wasn't going to be the starter anymore. If he ends up spending a, a year watching Ricky Ray and learning that offense, it's only going to help in the after Ray's gone. Um, you know, Franklin's got a chance to be a really good quarterback in this league, um, and you know, learning from arguably the best that we've seen in our lifetime, um, we can only help. And Mark Tressman. Yeah, right. Like, my God, that that man in quarterbacks is it's just something special. Yeah, James Franklin, he he does throw a beautiful football. It is mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful throws you will see. I'm hesitant to think that you know he's a future MOP or he's the savior of the Argos franchise or anything like that because the guy hasn't played that much and there's a lot of hype surrounding him it almost reminds me now looking back it's it seems crazy but there was a time when Drew Willie was the guy <laughs> like how many people were excited for Drew Willie to get from behind uh, Darian Durant to get his own starting job in Winnipeg or uh, some Ryder fans wanted Durant gone and Willie to take over there and we know what ended up happening uh, with him could that <laughs> happen with Franklin it could but I think he's got a better chance of turning it into something good Oh, I think I think I think the, along the same lines that you do as well. Um, and two, like you said, with Ray Frank Franklin is somewhat of an insurance policy. You know, he, he's proven that he can come in and spot start or you know start for a couple weeks in a row. Um, you know, and Ray's going to be what forty one. Yeah. Next season, like you know, at, at some point, age is going to catch up to him. I I honestly do believe he's going to retire, but on, if he doesn't, Frank Franklin can sit, stand on the sidelines for one more year. You know he's going to have to learn a whole new offense, um, and you know with Tressman and Ray there, he, like that, it's going to be phenomenal. And then, um, you know, it's a great insurance policy for the Argos. And in year two of the deal, if Ray does come back this year, in year two, Frank, Franklin's your starter if you can if you part ways with Ray. So, I think I think they're setting themselves up for a long term. It's a long long con. It's not just a it's not just a band aid kind of idea right now in Toronto. I think they're looking looking towards the future. So. I mean, if Ray does come back, he comes back. I mean, the guy won you a great cup. You got to give him that shot again. But I think uh, I don't think Tressman's going to be scared that if they start struggling, that Franklin will see some time. Yeah, I guess Ray. He only turns thirty nine in October, so he's got what, oh my five God, more that's years it? at least. He's got five more years. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I I guess yeah. Rookie Ricky Ray was what our grade nine year, so. I guess I feel like if he was going to retire, he would have done it by now. Yeah, I would think. I just why why not retire on top? Unless it's one of those guys who just loves the game too much. But you don't want to be you don't want to be like Daryl Waltrip and never win a race in your last seven years because you just wouldn't <laughs> retire, right? So I, I, if I was Ricky Ray, I'd be, like, football's giving you everything that you could have asked for with great cups and MOPs and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, you know, I, I would have no, if I was Ricky Ray, I'd probably, I'd have no problem, but saying that I'm not in his shoes either, you, you know, maybe he's still, maybe it's not an issue for him coming to the stadium every day and working out and, you know, getting the reps in. So maybe he's just, maybe he's not ready to quit. Maybe we see him for another five years. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a Tom Brady situation and, you know, he just keeps coming back and coming back and, you know, the backups just end up getting traded and you just have to fill that hole in when, when the time comes. I hope not, but. It is it is a possibility if if because the way Ray plays he doesn't exert a lot, you know. As long as his O line keep him upright, he can play for more. He can play longer. But I'd I'd love to see Franklin get a bona fide starting job at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully for his sake, for sure. <laughs> uh, more interesting news from Toronto: Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. This was you know, announced only a few weeks after the Grey Cup, is set to acquire the team. And this is, I think, a shock, but also huge for that Mm -hmm. organization there. Now, Bell and Rogers, they both have their hands in MLSE. So it basically, with Tannenbaum there, almost became a bit of a, a shifting assets a little bit. But to have the marketing machine fully behind the Argos of the MLSC, this is massive. And maybe they saw the ratings from the Grey Cup and the playoffs and the, the reaction to the East Final in Toronto. And they said, hey, this is, you know, the real deal. We got to get this under our umbrella. I see nothing bad coming out of that. No, it, it's one of the most stable ownership groups in all of sports oh yeah and and like you said the marketing machine that is mlse is only gonna help with the argos um and by god we know they need it um, <laughs> you know and and with them already owning uh toronto fc you know now now it becomes not like i know toronto FC fans no argos at bemo it shut up Right? Too bad. <laughs> you yeah, got the same but, owner now. Yeah, like, we get it. You were lied to. Big deal. Get over it. Um, you know, uh, this is going to be huge. Um, even stadium-wise, you know, for upgrades and upkeep. And now now the Argos aren't tenants. You know, they're, they're going to be part of that group. So I think that's going to help them feel more at home. And maybe maybe they can start getting that home field advantage that everybody thought Beeman would be, you know, on the lake, outdoors, really great atmosphere. It hasn't really translated yet, but I think with the marketing machine, like you said, that is MLSE, like, it, it can only go up from here. And the East Final turned into, it, it looked like it was a great time. Mm-hmm. And I, I know there were, you know, maybe a couple thousand Ryder fans there, but for the most part, it was double blue. Uh, they were loud. And th- the fans that do show up at BMO are really loud. And well, <laughs> if you want people to come to the stadium, you have to win. Yeah. Right. And they, they made the playoffs and were in the East final with a chance to go to the great cup. And you know, your, your laissez fair fan is going to be like, well, you know, this can be the last game of the year a chance to go to the great cup. We better go. I think that had a lot to do with it too, but I mean, it, it from by all accounts, it's a great place to watch a game. I haven't been there. You have, like mm-hmm. it. The atmosphere there can be something special, and I'm just hoping that this just helps that along. And I really hope that they can carry that momentum on from the East Final and the Grey Cup into the beginning of next year. That would be absolutely massive. James Franklin, handsome. Young guy, great interview, and I, I think if MLSC puts uh, you know the marketing behind him for the future, uh, he could be a star in Toronto, and I think the Argos can really turn things around there. I, I have a lot of hope for that franchise all of a sudden in uh, the big <laughs> smoke. Uh, their provincial counterparts, the Ottawa Red Blacks, extend Trevor Harris. Desjardins was kind of saying... Uh, and I don't know if it was the negotiating in public saying uh, our quarterback position has been moderately successful, you, you know. <laughs> and I don't Jeez. know if he was just trying to talk down uh, Trevor's success in Ottawa, but mm-hmm. they extended him, and I think Red Blacks fans are happy to see that. Well, well, who else are you going to start, Drew Tate? Yeah, <laughs> like you get you into the first, get you through halfway through the first quarter, and you got to bring in Ryan Lindley. <laughs> 
<laughs> Arizona Cardinals legend Ryan Lindley. Oh God, <laughs> right? That like, this is this is a no brainer for Ottawa. Like if you let Travis Trevor Harris go, you are upsetting a large portion of your fan base. Um, you know he's he's one of your top quarterbacks in the CFL. Um, you know he's a, him and Mike Riley this year battled it out for yards. Yeah. Um, through the early part of the year, and you know he was the cheaper version on the fantasy uh, aspect on TSN, and they they had virtually the same numbers for for a number of weeks. So I mean, to to extend this guy was a no brainer for me, and I'm just glad that they got it done. The Tiger Cats ended up making the deal. They moved Zach Kalaros to Saskatchewan for the tenth overall pick in the draft. Chris Jones, in the same interview where he talked about Deron Carter also said that he has talked to Zach Caleros before they even made the deal that they are they would be working on a new contract for him. He's due a $200,000 bonus at the beginning of February. He's already getting paid in the $540,000 range. Oh, Manziel money. <laughs> yeah, we will get to that. So <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the riders are obviously going to change that. Uh Trevor Hardy, who makes the schedule, also works on the cap. And he even told me, hey, the Riders' cap situation is great because they don't pay their quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. They don't pay them right. much. So they're good in that department. Uh, so they are definitely going to be working on that contract. I don't know how much they're going to be able to shave off uh, with Calaros there, but this is a big move for the Riders. And suddenly, they are contenders, I think, for a home playoff game in the West. The only thing that worries me is his, his health. Of course. And, you know, um, that's And that, that can be said for any any quarterback, right? Um, you know, he the first eight games this year, he didn't look like the Zach Calarosa two or three years ago. You know, when, when Hamilton was, you know, tearing it up early in those seasons. Um, you know, and two, does he... Does he come in as your number one now? Like, is, is Brandon Bridge, is there not going to be a competition? That's I think it's going to be a legitimate competition. I, I, I think it has to be to bring in a new guy like that. Um, you know, it wasn't I, – I wasn't expecting this deal at all. It kind of I, – I saw it coming out of left field. Um, you know, I, I didn't think Kalaros would be moved to Saskatchewan. Um, I thought with Brandon Bridge and, you know, Glenn – Glenn's still there. I thought, you know, one more year, you know, kind of – piggybacking these two off each other and you know Brandon Bridge takes the reins but now with Claro's coming in I mean that that just solidifies solidifies Saskatchewan's quarterback um situation right now especially if he can stay healthy um yeah like you said a home playoff game for the Riders would be huge this year no yeah of course you got to stay healthy but there was a time when we were worried about Mike Riley's health too and yeah that is true I, I think he can turn it around that year when he got hurt uh the Tiger Cats offense was just off the charts. And oh. he, he was going to be the throwaway MV, MOP mm-hmm. in, uh, I think that was 2016. And <laughs> it, it would have happened if he didn't get hurt just after Labor Day. Or maybe that was even 2015. I think it was 2015. Yeah, and then 2016 he comes back and they end up losing in the playoffs there. But, you know, he did play uh, in the Grey Cup, uh, almost beat Calgary in 2014. Uh, He would have a ring if it weren't for an illegal block. (laughs) (laughs) How many times are we going to bring that up? Yeah, I know. Uh, Hey, as long as as fans keep bringing up the 13th man Grey Cup to me, I'll bring up illegal blocks all day long. So that that's I, very fair. Or how <laughs> no starting Calgary quarterback has ever won two Grey Cups. Yeah, <laughs> we can keep throwing shade all show long. But I, <laughs> I think you can almost. I don't know. Do we look past last year as nothing but tension between Austin and Caleros? It, it was a volatile situation to say the least. It didn't it look was. good on TV. The optics were so bad. Um, you know, in each other's faces. Um, you know, Ken Austin has won a great cup in this league. Um, you know, he's coached a great cup winner. He knows what it takes to win. And being a former quarterback himself, he's probably really hard on quarterbacks. Yeah. G- and guaranteed. He, he has a, yeah. And he has a very, uh, aggressive demeanor to him. Like, 
on the sidelines, you look at his face and he looks permanently pissed off. <laughs> right? So I think I, it's kind of like, you know, you just need a change of scenery and maybe that's all Claros needs and stays healthy. It could be the Zach Claros of old again. Um, you know, a change of scenery can do lots for a player. So that that could be what we see here as well. And I do wonder what would have happened if June Jones had the reins from the beginning of last season and Caleros got to work in the June Jones offense because he never did. Uh, yeah. Jones came in and then it went uh, to Jeremiah Mazzoli, who had a great second half of the season. He earns himself uh, a two-year extension. June Jones gets the interim tag removed from him, and there were so many rumors uh, already about Hamilton and that uh, Kent Austin was looking at jobs in the NCAA south of the border, and then guys like Brandon Banks would not be re-signing if, if Kent Austin was still with the team. Well, look at that. Brandon Banks has re-signed, uh, has extended with the Tiger Cats. I'm beginning to wonder if these guys use Twitter as a bargaining chip. (laughs) It's hard to say they don't. He was basically on Twitter saying, ah, you guys don't like me enough. I'm not going to stay. And then, you know, two days later, he (laughs) re-signs. Yeah. Um, Well, and look at what Brandon Banks said once June Jones took over. He became a part of the offense. He did. And and one of their top receivers, right? So, I mean... He he knows what he is. He he knows he knows that without the ball, he, he's not going to contribute. And he never got that chance with Kent Austin. He was a special teamer at, at most, and maybe one or two targets a night. Um, you know, and June Jones takes over, and he, Brandon Banks starts getting the ball. And holy crap, we we finally get to see what kind of receiver this guy can actually be, and it's phenomenal. So I think with the new coach in there, knowing that he's going to be a important part of the system, I think that that uh, changed his mind a little bit there too. Yeah, if Banks and uh, Mazzoli can pick off where they left off last season, I, it'll be a dogfight between the Argos and the Ticats for first in the East, I think. Uh, I think Throw the Red be... Blocks in there, too. Yeah, I think if the East def- will be fun. If their defense, if, if Noah Thorpe can do can do uh, what we think or what we hope he can with that defense, like, that, that could be a three-way dogfight all year. The Riders have released Kevin Glenn now. Does he achieve CFL bingo by signing oh. with the Edmonton Eskimos? Oh, they're oh, – I don't know. That's so tough. <laughs> they, they, do need an, they do need a quarterback. They do need a backup quarterback at Edmonton now with Franklin gone. They do. I wonder, I wonder what the odds are on this, me being the degenerate <laughs> that I am. You want to bet on this? Kevin Glenn signing in Edmonton? Well, it depends on what the odds are. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe we don't bet money. Maybe we come up with a bet again and uh, we uh, talk it over and uh, reveal that later. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Because Grey Cup is in Edmonton, so, the, so the, the possibilities are endless. I don't know if I want to wax myself. Oh, no, that's been done. We'll do something else. Piercing tattoo? <laughs> Little butterfly tattoo in the lower back. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk it over. We'll hash it out, and uh, maybe next show we'll come up with something. Speaking on butter. Speaking of butterfly tattoos and lower backs, uh, what a segue! The, C- the CFL has allowed the Hamilton Tiger Cats to sign Johnny Manziel. Now they did make him an offer. Now the ballpark offer that I heard was that they offered him basically making two fifty a year for two years, maybe some incentives, which is actually a very fair and a very good deal for somebody entering uh, the Canadian Football League. And for a guy who hasn't taken a football snap in two years. Yes, uh, that is a good contract for the kid. Mm-hmm. Now, by... Offering him the deal, they get his neg list rights for another year. And talks were looking good until Manziel's agent comes out this week saying that 
he wants money on par with what Hamilton was paying their quarterback over the past few seasons, despite limited success. I can't believe they said despite limited success. D- do you think that maybe the fact that they were paying their quarterback almost $600,000 is the fact that the rest of the team struggled? Uh, yes, because it's don't a you cap wanna, league. Don't you want to <laughs> win? So that's part of it. And then they go on to say that the Tiger Cats have until January 31st to close a deal before we look elsewhere. Well, see you later then. Like, that's where I think this is headed. Right? Like, in what world do you think that you're worth $500,000 to play in a league that you have never played in? Granted, it is closer to college than the NFL is with the clock rule and the motion and all that. But you can't just walk in because your name is Johnny Manziel and expect to get paid. Sorry. Prove prove that you're worth it. They're giving you a shot. They're giving you a two-year contract, 250 grand a year. It's not, nothing to shake a stick at. Prove that you can play in this league. And, you know, maybe it leads to bigger and better things. Maybe you get a bigger contract, a bigger a, an extension with b- bigger money, and then you're able to maybe get back in the NFL. Like, he's not going about this the right way. He just looks like an idiot which is nothing new from when he was at Texas A&M or in Cleveland, so I'm not overly surprised. <laughs> but June Jones comes out in mid-December, says he has the, the potential to be the greatest quarterback in CFL history. That is not good bargaining. Well, there's been lots of players that have had potential to be a lot of things that don't pan out. So potential doesn't Bishop? mean... Yeah, potential <laughs> doesn't mean jack. <laughs> Right? Prove it on the field. You got to pay your dues, kid. Like, come on. I guess I shouldn't call him kid. He's like, what now, 24, 25? Um, That's a kid. (laughs) Yeah, to us now, I guess. (laughs) Um, But you got to pay your dues. And, you know, you got to prove that you can play football still. Like, yeah, great. You've had some good workouts. That doesn't mean... And in the agent's statement, he has said that the Tiger Cats allowed them to talk with at least one other organization Mm -hmm. which i am just going to ahead and assume that it was montreal (laughs) that's probably a pretty safe assumption and that montreal told him what they'd be willing to pay and that's what manzel went back to the tiger cats with Mm -hmm. well yeah that might be it too but like like you said though they they the the tiger cats said what they needed to do they they offered him that contract. They get to keep his rights. So he has to be traded, right? Regardless of whether if or not he wants they work to out sign in the CFL, yeah. Yeah. Regardless or not, whether they work out this deal, if he doesn't want it, well, you're, you can't just go to another team and say, well, they're paying me this. No, your rights are going to have to get traded. So he has, I think he literally has zero leverage here, other than those comments that June Jones made. But anybody who believes in potential being legitimate, thinking that that's, that's gospel, it's not. So potential can mean one of two things. It's either going to pan out or it's going to be absolutely atrocious or it's just going to be middling. And we don't know that. So, you know, play. You know, go through a training camp. Learn the game. Collect your paycheck. And it's not what you want. It's not as much money as you want. But collect your paycheck. Prove that you can play and the money will come. And and the chances, the chances to move on to maybe back to the NFL will come if he can show that he can play here and he can excel here. But just the way he's carrying himself right now and his agent isn't helping anything, it, it it it's just a bad look. I think the circus gets traded to Montreal. He could, very well could because, um, like that. That well, I mean, Montreal has turned into a dumpster fire. Well, and uh, speaking of the Alouettes, middle of, middle of last year, right? So I mean, they they they. It's not like they couldn't use a healthy competition at quarterback to maybe find. Find find somebody who can throw the ball more than, you know, four yards without a duck. <laughs> and speaking of the Alouettes, Darian Durant is owed a six-figure bonus, I guess, coming up on Monday. And he was told by the team, uh, you got to rework your deal with us or you're going to be outright released. So... I don't know. I, I don't know if I like the quarterback tandem of Durant and Manziel much either. <laughs> Would it be worse or better than Durant and Willie? Uh, <laughs> right now, now, now it's a now it's a game. Now, now, now that's a question. <laughs> you know, 
know, and then the <laughs> agent has the gall to say that the CFL's nag list uh, rules are archaic, which this was interesting. So the national championship happens between uh, Alabama and Georgia. And look yeah. at that. A northern Georgia football team blows it. Uh, the freshman quarterback from Alabama. I am try not it, even try going. It, try it. Try uh, no, it. I'm not doing it. I'm not nah. doing it. I'm not going to well, pronounce his name. I actually watched Tua. highlights. I watched highlights trying to learn it, and I couldn't. No. So, <laughs> anyway, Hamilton added him to their neg list, and I guess it was a big race, and Hamilton beat out Saskatchewan because they basically had higher priority uh, on the neg list, which is almost like a waiver wire. Um. <laughs> So, so maybe Hamilton just waits four years and signs him instead of the Manziel Circus. I don't know uh, where this is going, and I, I'm beginning to think it's not going to happen for the Tiger Cats. Uh, apparently, the Manziel camp thought that the offer uh, that came from the Tiger Cats was his pay per year when it was, you know, for two years. Uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, that uh, the Tiger Cats offered, but look, Johnny Football. the The CFL is the second most highest paying football league in the world. Wow, this I don't is know. well. Who pays more? <laughs> well, the NCAA might. Oh, <laughs> but they can't. They can't report that. <laughs> yeah, legally. The, the, yeah. legally. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> So look, buddy, this is what you're gonna have to take. Show your worth, or uh, you can keep sitting on the couch and doing what you've been doing for the past two years. Which maybe that's what he wants to do. <laughs> yeah, I would love to sit on the couch for two years and do nothing. That's living the life. <laughs> uh, speaking of that national championship game for between Georgia and Alabama, did you happen to see who was the leading rusher in that game? Who? Mark and Michelle's little brother. That is cool. Yeah. Sony Michelle was the leading rusher. I think he had 96 yards in that game. Granted, he plays for Georgia, so they lost. But I think that's a <laughs> nice little Easter egg there and related back to CFL a bit. That is cool. So I, I guess that about does it. I, I do want to wish congratulations to Luke Tasker and his wife. They welcomed a new baby boy, didn't they? Yeah. Steel James Tasker. That kid is going to be running a daycare in like three years and then and then if he makes a cfl we'll get to hear about how his grandpa played for the bills <laughs> whenever rod black does a game <laughs> we'll be keeping track of the cfl news as fast as it comes in free agency opens in just over a month and that is going to be a pile of fun Travis Correa, Brazilian Tie, the Two and Out CFL podcast. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.